0: Hey guys, this is Simon and Josh from the Worship Team. We just wanted to introduce you to a few new songs we'll be playing over the next season. We've got two new songs, Peace Be Still by The Belonging Co. and Not Today by Hillsong. These are awesome, powerful songs and we look forward to worshipping with these new songs with you guys. Love you. Hey guys, welcome to the Tweet Coast Church Podcast. So glad that you could join us. Now prepare your hearts for another inspiring message from one of the Coast Church crew. I want to pick up um, our story from John chapter 11, verse 33. This is right in the middle of our story. When Lazarus has died, Jesus has gone back to town and he, and he's having an encounter with the people who are mourning. It goes like this. You can read on the screens here. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled where have you put him he asked them they told him lord come and see then jesus wept the people who were standing nearby said see how much he loved him but some said this man healed a blind man couldn't he have kept lazarus from dying notice what the crowd says there to jesus this is what i want to i want to ponder on this just a little little longer notice it's a bit of a backhanded compliment, right? Jesus, he healed a blind man. In one sense, they're saying, you know what? Jesus got the goods. He can do amazing things. He can heal. And then in the next sentence, in the next sentence there, couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? You notice their, their tone changes. Their tone takes a, a downward spiral. There's, what, an odd, what an odd mixture of faith and unbelief. All in the same sentence, see they they placed a bit of a, a limitation on jesus they 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 thought yes, he's got the goods, yes, he's a healer, but not in their wildest dreams did they think he could raise Lazarus back to life? See their minds didn't even go there they they had limitations on who Jesus was. you know what they thought that Jesus was a so far savior, they thought he was. A so far saviour. If you're taking notes this morning, that's the title of my message. A so far saviour. So far saviour. Cool. I want to introduce you guys to a special member of my family. Uh, this is him here. I thought I'd get a better response than that. <laughs> Any dog lovers out there? <laughs> oh, if you met Duke, you probably wouldn't cheer. But <laughs> This is Duke. This is Victoria's puppy. I just have to clear that up. This is Vic's uh, dog, but he is a, hes pretty cool. He's—he's um, he's a bit of a mutt. He's a fox terrier cross Jack or something like that, and uh, he's pretty cool. He, you know, he—he he obeys me most of the time. We—we um, got this love-hate relationship. We kind of kind of get along, Dukey and I, but no, <laughs> he, he's pretty cool. Now I've made a diagnosis of Juke. And this isn't a veterinary professional diagnosis, but I reckon Duke's got what we call separation anxiety. <laughs> separation anxiety, right? So he can't stand to be more than 10 meters away from, from Vic. Is that true, Vic? He, <laughs> she likes it, apparently. He can't stand to be more than 10 meters away. You know, we, uh, <laughs> I'm going to show you another photo just to prove my point. OK, just yes, this is Vic's backside. But um, if you look down in between her legs, there. Can you see who's in between her legs, Duke? There. Now to to expand to expand on this story, Vic is just going into labour with Theodore at this moment, and and it's not just a picture of Vic's bottom, by the way. I decided you could probably take that off now, but see where Duke is. <laughs> you can't see Duke. He's so he's tucked in between her legs. He just couldn't be apart from Vic. He was like, oh, i got to get in on this. So, Duke, he's just got separation anxiety, right? He can't stand to be more than 10 meters away. Uh, we take him down to the beach. We take him on the lead like good dog owners and uh, pick up his doo-doo after him. And um, we take him down on the beach and we let him off. And he'll, he'll go for a little run. He'll sniff the water. He'll uh, run up onto the dunes and find himself a stick. But Guaranteed, probably within in at least a minute, he'll be back under our feet again. He's he just uh it's an odd instinct that he's got within him that he's like, Where's where's my pack gone? Where's my pack? Oh there's the grumpy guy that always growls me, there's the one that gives me all the cuddles and there's Teddy who I eat all his food. But he he just needs to be with his pack. He he only little little does Duke know that he when he's off the lead, he could go running up the beach hundred meters, would he could go running into the bush, he could go Check out all the other dogs, but no, he he's got this instinct within him that keeps him within ten meters of of us. It's kind of cool; he doesn't run away, but it's kind of annoying too. But uh, Juki, see 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 the crowd—they placed an expectation, a limitation on Jesus. They thought he could only go so far. See, they they didn't realize he could go far beyond. Just like like my dog Juki, he didn't realize he could go far beyond that little 10 meter perimeter that he puts on himself. The crowd was the same. They placed this limitation on Jesus. but can I be can, thank you. can I be honest with you this morning? I identify with the crowd. I, I identify with the crowd. you know if, if I was there and, and you know Lazarus died, I'd probably have done the same. you know a dead thing. you, you bury it, you put it in the tomb. And, and and you have a funeral, and when I, I think I would have done that. I think I identify with the crowd. See, there's things been in my life that I've thought, you know what, that thing's dead. You know what, that that dream, that that preferred future that I had, it's just not happening. That thing is dead. So I'll, what I'll do is I'll wrap it up in grave clothes, put it in the tomb, roll it over, done. I'm done with that. See, see, I, I can identify with the crowd what's in your tomb this morning what things what things have you have ridden off as dead what hopes what dreams what expectations have you thought you know what this just is not happening i'm burying that thing it's dead we can identify with the crowd hey a so far savior what's in your tomb Let's look back at our story now in John chapter 11. I want to look at how Jesus responds to this news. He he does something quite incredible here. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. This is right at the beginning of the story. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. If we pause there, it must have been a pretty serious sickness, right? You don't send a message two towns across if Lazarus had a little cough-cough, little, he had a little cold or a, he had a bout of gastro, you know. You don't send. Imagine that, the messenger rocks up. Hey, Jesus, I've got bad news, man. Lazarus, he's, he, it's ugly. He's got gastro. Yeah, both ends. It's, it's horrible. It's horrible. Just You wouldn't do that. You wouldn't do that. No, it must have been pretty serious sickness. But see Jesus's response—he he doesn't respond with uh, urgency. Really, he's like, "No, this sickness won't end in death. You know, this is an opportunity for God's glory." Let's read on, uh, verse six there. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. <laughs> Is that a bit confusing to you guys? If you loved someone and they were seriously sick, would you stay where you were two more days? Would you stay two towns away or would you, would you go and visit them? It's, it's a bit of an odd response if you, if you ask me. Let's just, just bank that thought. So And it goes on. After they had stayed there two more days, and then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. If we skip down to verse 11 now, after he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought that he meant natural sleep. See, somehow, um, somehow Jesus knew that Lazarus has died. Maybe a message got back to him. Maybe he just knew in his spirit. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead and for your sake I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe but let us go to him let us go to him you know what let's put ourselves in the disciple's shoes just for a second i for one would be pretty confused with the way jesus is responding to the situation he's got this assurance that everything's going to be all right in the midst of this bad news he's got this calm collected his response doesn't match the situation would you agree? See, Jesus seems pretty relaxed. Let's put ourselves in the disciples' shoes. So at the beginning, he says, um, you know, you get, they get the news of, of, of Lazarus being sick. Okay, Jesus, so your good friend Lazarus is, is sick, and not just cough, cough, sick. He's seriously sick. Okay, we'll stay where we are two more days. Hmm. Don't quite get that. <laughs> he goes on. He says, first you said he was asleep. But now you're telling us he, he's dead? It's a bit of a casual wrapping up of the situation. Oh, he's just asleep. Mate, G- Lazarus is dead. Your good friend, the one you loved, is dead. How, how are you being so casual? Not only that, but he wraps it up with saying, I'm glad I wasn't there. I'm glad I wasn't there. See, this is the one that gets me. His disciples would have been like, you're glad you weren't there to say goodbye to Lazarus? You know, remember they don't know that Jesus is going to raise him to life, yeah? We we know that, but just put yourself in the disciples' shoes. What well, you're glad you weren't there. You didn't want to say goodbye to him. You didn't want to, you know, be with him in his last moments. See, I reckon Jesus knew something that the disciples didn't. He 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 knew something. He had this assurance that everything was going to be all right. See, now I reckon Jesus knew what he was doing. <laughs> funnily enough. I think Jesus knew what he was doing. He, he, he knew the power that was within him. Yeah, He knew the, the power that he had to bring life, to give life. He wasn't threatened by the situation. Um, he actually spills the beans, Jesus, and, and what he, he knew. And this is in verse 25. He, he's speaking and he says, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. See, he wasn't threatened by the sickness. He wasn't threatened by this death. See, let's just say he did respond immediately. The messenger runs across town, gets to Jesus. Hey, Jesus, Lazarus is sick. We've got to go. They drop everything. They, they, they jump on their donkey and they giddy up over back to where Lazarus was. And, and he does get there in time. Lazarus is there on a sick bed and he walks into the room and he's like, oh, Lazarus, my friend places his hand upon his head, and he says, be healed. Same result, yeah? Lazarus is healed, and, and all is well. Same result as the actual story. Same result, Lazarus is, it ends up with Lazarus being well. Now, Jesus knew what he was doing. He didn't just want to heal Lazarus. Hear me, hear me here. He didn't just want to heal Lazarus. He wanted to raise him from the dead. He wanted to raise him back to life. That Such is his power. Such is his assurance of who he is that he wanted to show people. He wanted this to be written down in the scriptures. He wanted his disciples to see. He wanted us to see this morning. He is the resurrection and the life. No matter what you've placed in your tomb this morning, God is not threatened by that. God is not freaking out, hitting the panic button. He wants to show you this morning he is the resurrection and the life. He is a healer. Yes, amen. We believe it. You know what? He goes a step further. He wanted to smash that label of a so-far savior. You know what? I'm going to go over that limitation you said, and I'm going to raise him to life. I believe that for your situation this morning. Awesome. Hey, do we have any gardeners in the in the room? Any oh, oh yes, you. Anyone who is a bit of a botanist, any plant enthusiast, give me a little wave. You See, it's nice to have greenery in the house, yeah? It, <laughs> yeah, Victor. It's nice to have something um, something alive in, in your home. See, I like to think I've got what it takes to, to be, you know, a gardener. Uh, I like to think i got what it takes to at least grow a few indoor plants, a few, uh, you know, Fiddle figs, you know, the Instagram famous plants. Um, I like it. I like having things around my house, but you know what? My track record probably says otherwise. (laughs) My track record says otherwise. See, the beady household probably resembles more of a plant graveyard than it does someone who's enthusiastic about plants. We just have this way about us. I'm not blaming anyone, but yeah. Um, (laughs) Duke. Um, (laughs) See, yeah, you know... You know, one time we actually killed a cactus. I'm not sure if that's possible, right? A cactus can survive in the desert with no one looking after it, no one watering it. Somehow we killed the cactus. So it's not looking good for me. One thing we're not too bad at, Teddy and I like to do this thing where we we'll, we buy those little packets of seeds from Bunnings and we plant, you know, those things that are real hardy, like carrots and, and like parsley. That's not too hard. It, he loves it. Teddy loves it. You know, watching it grow, we – get those little packets and we, we put the seeds into the soil and we give it a bit of love and and preferably not inside in the indoor plant one, but they, you know, out in nature, they grow. So um, Teddy loves it, you know, takes his dinosaurs out there. Daddy, Stegosaurus, the herbivore, he eats plants. He eats yum-yum parsley. See, a seed alone it, is a little bit useless, Yeah. In that packet if you bought that packet and you put it in your in your cupboard, that seed will just stay a seed it it is sort of it's reached as much as it as far as it can go unless you take you rip that little packet open you you pour them into a little hole in in your dirt and you give it some life you give it some life and uh, put it into a life giving environment you know a bit of dirt a bit of water um a, you know a bit of sun a bit of love that thing begins to realize its potential it begins to grow i love that imagery a tiny seed imagine those redwood forests in canada a tiny seed put it into a life giving environment <laughs> up, up up it goes it, it grows it 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 flourishes into all that it is is meant to be unless it's given a life Give, uh, unless it's put in a life-giving environment, you know, it, it, it's a bit obsolete. It's a bit useless. See where we see a dead thing. You know, you know those things we see in our life that we just bury. We we put them away. They're, they're dead. Those, you know, that 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 hope that you've had, it's just not coming, and you, you bury it. God doesn't see a dead thing buried. God sees a seed that is planted. God sees a seed that is planted, and it's just awaiting. It's just awaiting a life-giving environment. It's just awaiting a life-giving environment, yeah? So Jesus, he he goes, he he declares something incredible here in John 10.10. You know the scripture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I, Jesus, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full, have it to the full. You know what? Your dead thing buried. God sees it as a seed which is planted. He sees it awaiting his life. Not only it's not an ambiguous thing, he he come, his heart, his intent, his heart is for us. His heart is to see that that thing buried. Realize its potential, come back to life. He is the life and the resurrection. He doesn't leave it there. He says, I want to give you that life. I want to give you that life. He wants to bring those hopes, those dreams, those things we just write off. He wants to bring them back to life. He wants to bring them back to life. He is our life-giving environment. You know what? I I felt God really tug on my heartstrings when I wrote this point. And I think the Holy Spirit wants to work in our lives right here and right now. You know what? Sometimes we can be alive but we can't be, we're not full of life. We, no matter who you are this morning, how, how far along the journey you are, you may have been doing this Christian thing for all the years of your life. This may be very new to you. you this may be your first time here. But you know what? No matter where we are on the journey, we can, we can be alive. We can settle for a life where we're breathing, we're eating, we're sleeping, but we're not full of life. We're not full of life. What did Jesus say there? I came that they may have life and life to the full. Life to the full. Can I speak that over your life this morning? Let's be a church that is filled with hopes, filled with expectations of what God is going to do in our future. You know, don't live life ripped off. God doesn't want you to. He is for us. He's not against us. We sang that this morning. You are a child of God this morning. Be bold in what you dream and what you see in your future. Can I, Young people in this place, high school students, uni students, you know what? Be filled with the hopes and the dreams that God will place in your heart because that's the best place we can live our life. It is a life that is full and wonderful and magnificent and satisfying. Don't believe that the world say, you know, you're going to miss out if you walk that way. You're going to miss out if you live your life. God has a life that is rich and full for you. Amen. Come on. I want that kind of life. Can you say that to someone? I want that kind of life. <laughs> so good. Everywhere Jesus went, everywhere Jesus went, he was giving life. Everywhere he went, the, the Bible, the gospel, the gospel. You know, the story that they write, wrote down about Jesus, the accounts, the eyewitness accounts, they're filled from beginning to end of real-life stories of him bringing life. You know, he comes across a blind man, comes across a blind man and he restores his sight. He gives him a, a fullness of life. He was alive, but he wasn't full of life. See, everywhere Jesus went, everywhere Jesus went, he, he displayed that life-giving power. He displayed who he was. He displayed the, the, the very inside of who he was, the resurrection and the life. He was giving life everywhere he went, healing people. You know, there's three accounts in, in the Bible of, of Jesus that actually when he was on the earth raising someone from the dead. Isn't that incredible? He, he was life. He was a life giver. But he saved his most powerful display of life for the cross. For the cross. You know, we've been celebrating this all Easter over the last. We celebrate it all year round, but we we bring it into a highlight around Easter time. He saved his most powerful display of life for the cross. For the cross. You know, when he was up there on the cross, let me take you there for a second. Just imagine he's up there on the cross again. A crowd begins to gather around. They want, they, they want to they've come to see what's what's going on <laughs> the crowd begins to say stuff to Jesus and it sounds very similar to something we've heard they, they look at him and, and they they say this man this this Jesus he saved other people he, he saved others you know they had heard the story of Lazarus they had heard the story of the blind man being healed. He, he could save others. Surely he can save himself. Does that sound familiar to you? The crowd's back at it again. Surely you'd think that they'd learnt their lesson. They thought Jesus up on the cross, that's as far as the story went. They, they, they couldn't see past it again. They, they Here they were trying to label Jesus again. He's a so-far saviour. He, he can only go so far. See the mixture of faith and unbelief again. Yes, he could save people. He could save others. Look at him now. He, he can't even save himself. Jesus saved his greatest display of life for the cross. That's what happens after that? He, he, he dies. His greatest display of life, and he's on the cross, and he and he dies. They, they take him down off the cross. <laughs> they, they wrap him up in grave clothes, and they... They put him in a tomb and they roll the stone away. They roll the stone over. The thing It's dead. Three days he's in there. Three days he's in that tomb. Do you know what happened over those three days? Death and life went to battle. Death and life over that three days, toe to toe. You like that? Three days, they, were, they, they just went toe-to-toe. They didn't hold anything back. See, death came for Lazarus. He tried to grip Lazarus. He, he tried to swallow him. But when life rocked up on the scene, he fled. Death fled. He ran away from Lazarus. He, he couldn't stand to be in the presence of the resurrection and the life. See, but it was different this time. It was different this time. Why? Because life came for death. <laughs> Life came for death. He's like, you know what? I got your ticket, mate. I'm coming for you. They go toe-to-toe. And after three days, guess what? We know this thing. Life wins. Life wins. He goes toe-to-toe with death. Boom, uppercut. You're gone, death. You are down. He, he raised, Jesus is raised to life again. He's raised to life. Life wins. He's like, death, where's your sting? Death, where, where's your power? Where, where's your punch gone? He, he defeated death on the cross. That was his greatest display of life was on the cross. I think it's, yeah, give him, a, give him a clap of praise. Do you know what? Jesus Jesus knew. Jesus knew the seasons of life we would walk through. He, he knew there would be seasons where it feels like we're back in the tomb. He, he, he knew there would be times in our life where, you know, we may have seen things come back to life, but new things have died. New things have been placed in that tomb. He knew that we would walk through the tomb season. Can I call it that? The tomb season. He knew that in our future, that's what was ahead for us. And he's not a one hit wonder. <laughs> Jesus is not a one hit wonder. He didn't just do it for Lazarus, he just did it for the blind man. He didn't just do it in his day and age and then fade off into obscurity over, over 2,000 years. He's not just a historical figure. Jesus is not a one hit wonder. defeated death for you this morning. He defeated death for the tomb season that you're in this morning. He defeated death for those things that are buried to come back to life this morning. He knew that's what we needed. He knew that death needed to be dealt a little and he wanted to bring, he wanted to defeat life and he wanted to bring things back to life. He is the life and the resurrection. He is the giver of life. You know what that makes him when he defeated death? That makes him the champion. It makes him the champion of life, the Lord of life. No matter what's dead in your life this morning, bring it before the champion of life, the giver of life, the Lord of life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you are touched by God's word. If you would like to know more about Coast Church, Please visit tweetcurstchurch